welcome back for season two of the Excel Still More podcast. I am your host, Chris Emerson, and I'm here to encourage you with tips and strategies to help you deepen your faith, build stronger relationships, and do the most with your life in Christ. Thank you for joining. Let's get started. So I guess I should start today by saying I hope you aren't hungry or on a diet at the moment because today we are going to talk about donuts. And while what I'm really getting at is a principle that lives in everyone's life represented by the shape of a donut, there is still a pretty good chance you will be craving one, which is great. No problem there. That won't kill you. But if you are one, that may be something different altogether. Let me see if I can explain. The donut principle goes like this. If I have things set properly in place all around my life, I'm going to the right church, I am doing all of the right things and checking all of the right boxes, but in the center of me, in my heart, at the source of all of those things, if there is no love, if I am not motivated by mercy, compassion, and kindness, then all of that construct around me that seems so great will not amount to anything. This is kind of like a traditional donut. It looks good around the edges. You can get some nice bites, but as you move towards the middle, eventually there is nothing. Where there could be a source from which the entirety of this delicious donut has formed, instead, you run out of donut. Another way of thinking about it might be the beloved cream-filled donut. I love them. When I go buy one, I enjoy the outer portion, the doughy donut portion, but I know that the great reward is that it is housing that delicious like vanilla pudding cream center. Imagine the disappointment to get to the middle and it's empty. There's a hole. It has no center. Now look, that's a pastry, no big deal, we'll be fine. But if that's a person, it's an entirely different story. There are so many people, even members of the church, all around the edges. The part that you can see, it looks great. They go to church, they do good deeds, they are raising a family, they're holding down a job. These look like good Christian people, but hear me clearly. When you get through the habits, when you cut through doing things to be approved by men, when you get down to the true heart and motivation at the center of so many of these people, there is a hole there. What ought to be there is love for God, love for brethren, love for the lost. What ought to be at the center is kindness and compassion and mercy, and because those emotions are so strong in them, they go to worship God. They raise their family in Christ. They serve the community. They do their jobs well. And the outside, the part that people can see, is a genuine extension of what is in the center. That is how we should be. But the donut principle says this, if there is not a heart of love in the middle, 
then all of the construct of the outside in the end won't amount to anything. Firstly, in the judgment. If I appear before the Lord one day, God, I went to church. I stayed with my spouse. I raised my kids. I held down a job. And God says, yes, you know, all that was there and everybody saw it and you got plenty of accolades for that. But you know, I've been reading your heart since day one and there were some things missing. The core of the doctrine of Christ wasn't there. I will be judged unfaithful at heart and the rest of it won't matter very much. Also, people who are constructing the right kind of life but aren't doing it from a source of mercy and loving kindness, they find it very difficult to keep those habits formed and to make them truly influential in the life of others. In other words, people can tell. People can tell when they're looking at the finely formed outside layer of a donut with a gaping hole in the middle. Because even your spouse can tell. Even the preacher can tell. Even your neighbor can tell when the things that are being done are being done for another reason besides love. Genuine care for other people. It's impossible to hide that hole. Of course, eventually, the language betrays it. Jesus said, what is in the heart will come out through the mouth. What is in the heart will come out through the deeds. Eventually, it becomes obvious. I mean, here's a guy who goes to church every Sunday and talks about how Jesus died for all men, but he doesn't really love all men. So he talks negatively about those of a different ethnicity. Or he's always saying inflammatory things about a different political party or something like that. It eventually comes forth. This reminds me of Jesus' interaction with those Pharisees. The ultimate donut, a Pharisee. They prided themselves on having everything people could see in the right place. Sprinkles and all. Following the law, standing up for the right things, and generally appearing to be righteous men. And yet Jesus said, You need to go learn what this means. I desire mercy and not a sacrifice. Now, Jesus wasn't saying it's okay to disobey the law. He was saying the first thing you need is a merciful heart. The first thing you need is compassion for your fellow human beings. Then build your sacrifices around that. Otherwise, the sacrifices are a waste. There were a few occasions where the Pharisees showed up to accuse Jesus of some things. One time, Jesus was sitting with tax collectors, prostitutes, and sinners to know them and teach them. And the Pharisees talked about how ungodly that was. He said, you need to go learn what this means from the book of Hosea. I desire mercy and not sacrifice. A few chapters later in Matthew 12, The Pharisees saw Jesus' disciples picking grain heads on the Sabbath, which, by the way, was not a sin. And yet they accused them of sinning. They weren't even right about their sacrifices. And yet they couldn't see it because they had no heart. And Jesus is saying, look, go find out what this means. I desire compassion and not a sacrifice. If you cared about me and God and these disciples, you wouldn't be accusing us in this way you would be seeking to understand us. And of course, both of Jesus' recommendations tied back to Hosea, where God was talking to Israel and saying, look, 
you are still offering your sacrifices, but there is a hole in the middle of you where a heart ought to be. I desire loyalty, love, genuine passion, and not just all of this stuff that you're doing because it's, you know, the right thing to do to stay blessed by God. Consequently, a few years later, the northern kingdom was completely wiped out. Listen, they were offering all of the right sacrifices. They just didn't have a heart for God. So I think an important question for you and for me is this. Am I a donut? Am I someone with substance, form, and patterns? Good patterns. Biblical patterns. But yet, at the center where I should find a passion for God, a genuine love for others. It is not there. I'm only doing these things because I don't want to go to hell. I'm only doing these things so that I don't have to have a fight with my wife. I'm only doing these things so that others won't judge me. That's donut talk. That's hypocrisy. It's a shell that's put together to be observed and appreciated instead of a life that is emanating from a Christ-like core and is fueled by Christ-like passion. So you might be wondering, how do I work on that? How do I even know if I have a true heart for God? How do I even know if all of the things I'm doing right in my life, I'm doing because of who I am at the core, or I'm just doing it because it's what I was taught, or it's what others approve or it's just a habit? Well, you're going to have to start asking yourself some crucial questions. Really dig in and consider what is motivating the things that you are doing. And to help you do that, to really connect with that process, let's revisit some passages I referenced earlier. In Hosea 6, God said, Israel, the sacrifices are right and you should be offering them. But my first question to you is, are you loyal to me? Are you offering these sacrifices because you believe in me? Because you love me? Because you seek to know me, and in knowing me, you are driven to worship me? That was the point in Hosea 6, and I think that could create some good questions for you and me. Are you a churchgoer? Do you go to church on Sundays, maybe even Wednesdays, when the building is open and we are in normal operating hours? You say, yes, next question. No, wait, I have a follow-up question. Why do you go to church? What is your motivation? What gets you out of bed, and why do you put in that time? What drives you? The answer ought to be, I love God. I am made by Him. I am protected by him. I am flooded with mercy from him, forgiven by him. My heart overflows with gratitude because of his love. I feel, there's a word we don't use enough maybe in the church, I feel loyalty for God. So when God's people are worshiping, I am there. But you see, the substance going to church, participating in worship, is absolutely radiating from the heart of loyalty at the center. 
That's what God is looking for. And if you have struggled with that and you've ever wondered about people who go to church even when they don't feel well, they're singing their hearts out even when they just lost their job, and they would come to services on a Sunday morning if the building burned down on Saturday night and they had to sit in the smoldering ashes, and you're like, where are you getting all that? Are you a fanatic or something? Do you think this is some box that has to be checked? Oh, no. They love God. I mean, they love God with all of their heart, soul, mind, and strength. And from there comes great worship. Let me build on this with the other two passages. Remember in Matthew 9, the Pharisees didn't like the fact that Jesus was having dinner with lost people, and they accused him of some error in the law. It probably burned them up that Jesus spent so much time in communities with unbelievers. Jesus served the community. He healed the broken. Why did he do that? Over and over again, Matthew records the compassion of Jesus. He loved these people. Jesus loved the lost. He felt for them. He felt sorry for them because they didn't understand. The Pharisees couldn't think about that. All they could think about is, that doesn't look right. And what if one of them rubs off on you? Or what if you lose your influence when people see where you were? They were constantly worried about the outside, what people saw and how they were judged, and they missed the heart of the matter. And honestly, in the church, I think we should talk more about this. There are so many things we can do to reach the lost. There are so many ways that we can welcome them to church And we can show tons of patience while we're getting to know them. And we can go out of our way to serve them. Sometimes the church becomes this country club where you really only get the benefits of one another when you're a member with a jacket on or something. And that's just a tremendous mistake. Because what we ought to be working with is a genuine compassion, mercy towards, and love for the people who are outside of the body of Christ. And if you have ever seen people in the church who go door knocking or travel to other countries or who are constantly going out of their way at church to meet new visitors, and you're thinking, I wish I could be more like that. And so maybe you just start doing it. You start having the conversations. You knock on a few doors, and you find that after a couple of weeks, it just kind of fades away. Do you know why? because you have not first filled in the center with a better understanding of the mission of Christ and a shared passion in his love for others. So ask yourself the question, do I genuinely love my neighbor? I mean, do I actually feel compassion for those who don't know the Lord? And can I cultivate that? Can I pray about that and grow in that through New Testament Bible reading and then let the substance form around it. The third case was Matthew 12, where the Pharisees were attacking brethren. I don't want to take too much time on this, but it has been a little discouraging this year the way that brethren have divided and argued and treated one another over just the most ridiculous of things. And yes, I am referencing masks, but also any number of other things. And you look around and you think, we're supposed to be the church, and yet... We don't like that they didn't wash their hands. That's a story from the book of Matthew with the Pharisees, but yes, I may also be talking about 2020. And so we make some accusation against them. And you kind of look around and you're like, 
Where's the heart? Where's the patience? Where's the mercy? Where is the acceptance of one another? And I'm starting to wonder in the lives of some people if maybe it just wasn't there to begin with. They were donuts. You know, that outward showing of loving each other and being a family until it got tough. And what we needed was a core of the heart of God for one another to get through this thing. And it just wasn't there. So we need to be asking ourselves some questions. Do I love God's people enough to be understanding of our differences? To accept disagreements along the way? To believe the best about them? And to refrain from passing judgment? But listen, if you don't have a heart for them, a Christ-like heart for His body, you can make those adjustments for a little while, but within a week or two, you'll be right back at it. We have to work on our hearts. I've told you before, the secret to a better family, church, and everything is you. You are the secret. Today, I'm telling you, it's not just you, it's your heart. It's how you feel about other people. How you feel about brethren, independent of disagreements. How you feel about the lost, no matter how depraved they are. And how you feel about the power of God as the source of for everything that you say and do. Make the outside, the part that people see, be the product of an inside that is connected to God. You can work on this through reading the Gospels. Please read the Gospels. Read about the compassion of Jesus and how often he talks about the heart. Now, I should tell you, this is a lot harder Working on the heart and praying through that and journaling about that, not easy. But it's the only thing that makes our Christianity true, and it's our best chance to truly make a difference. But it reminds me about actual donuts as we close. Do you know why there is a hole in the middle of most traditional donuts? It's because the center is harder to cook. You know, they fry them and it all happens kind of quickly, and the dough in the middle wasn't cooking all the way through. So they said, hey, that's more difficult. Let's just cut that out and see what happens. And yeah, they were able to make the outside nice and tasty much more quickly. And that's kind of how it is with your life. You can just take the heart out of the middle. The heart is challenging to control, and it takes time to develop. Just take that out of the equation and go out and do what's right, and everything will be fine. But it won't. Because in the end, God's not just reading a deeds sheet. He's reading the hearts of his people. And preparing that heart to be examined by God is worth whatever time and attention that it takes. So let's develop the heart and watch the rest of it come together. Live a life of great faith and don't forget the donut principle. Thank you so much for tuning in today. If you enjoyed the program, please remember to share with your family and your friends. Also, you can go to excelstillmore.life to sign up for emails, order the three-month journals, or just catch up on old episodes. So until next time, let me leave you with this. Whatever you choose to do today in the name of the Lord Jesus, excel still more.